Amen. Thank you, brother. Have your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Zephaniah. Now, that is in the Bible. It's uh, the third book from the end of the New Old Testament. You got Zephaniah, you got Zechariah, and you got Malachi. All right, when you find it, uh, go to the third verse, third chapter, I'm sorry. I'm only going to read two verses out of this third chapter, but that's going to be the text for my message today. Let's all stand as we honor God's word by standing. Zephaniah, the third chapter, and I'm going to read the 15th verse and the 17th verse. Won't you listen to these verses because uh, I was—I I really had uh, the whole third chapter, but that's just—that's too much to cover. The fifteenth verse says, "The Lord hath taken away thy judgments; He hath cast out thine enemy, the King of Israel. Even the Lord is in the midst of thee." Thou shalt not see evil any more. Down the seventeenth verse, the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee, is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with love, he will rest in his love, he will joy over thee with uh, singing. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the blessings of it. We thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord. And we read today is some of the things that Zephaniah prophesied of, and we we always look forward to that. Lord, I just pray that you'll see fit to bless us. Take care of us. <clears throat> In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <coughs> I've titled this message, The True Blessings of the Lord. The True Blessings of the Lord. I want to say, first of all, we welcome you to live streaming. I see we've already got some already checked in, and so uh, we welcome you to live streaming. We pray the Lord to bless you today. And I pray this message will be a blessing to you. The True Blessing of the Lord. Zephaniah, the third chapter. What we want to talk about today is the blessing promised here are, of course, to Israel. A lot of people, I I have brought things out from the Old Testament, and people said, well, that's to Israel. Uh, I've had people who have used that, and I've had people who have used it as being strictly to us. But um, the blessing promised here are to Israel, but they are also a spiritual unction to every person who knows the Lord as Savior. This this not just this is not just to Israel. This is to anybody that knows the Lord as Savior. And and, and these are some great blessings that you can think about today. In verse 15, he says, He hath taken away the judgments. Now I want to say this before I get started on it, that this doesn't mean that he's done away with the judgments after death. 
What it is that he has taken away our judgments today, the very things that we, uh, we have that we think that is, is against us, and which means the world and everything to do with the world, he has taken all those away from us, taken all those away. No, nobody, the world, nobody in the world can judge you anymore once the Lord saves you. The ju- he's, he's taken those judgments away. Through Zephaniah, the prophet, he speaks to his children. Now there is judgment hanging over each of us as a black cloud because of sin. You know, let me tell you folks, we, you know, you may be saved, but when you choose to sin and you choose to to follow the Lord or follow the world in sin, then what you've done is you've invited that black cloud to come back over you. When he has taken it away, he's taken that black cloud away from us, that black cloud of sin away from us. Through his death on the tree of Calvary, he has taken away that thick cloud. He's taken it away forever. But again, as I said Wednesday night, there are some people who like that black cloud over them. And so they go and they invite it right back over them again. But that's, that's not what we should do. He took all that away from us. It was the great apostle Paul who said, There is therefore now, interesting verses, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No one can judge you anymore. Don't you know that all they can they do it every day. They try to do it every day. They try to judge you. You know, I've had people I've had people tell me, well you know, uh, you may think you're saved, but you're not. They those those judgments those those are judgments of heathen. Those are judgments of people don't know any better. The judgments of people that don't know anything about salvation. And I hear it, I've heard it all my life, ever since I've been saved, you know. Well, you can't know you're saved. Why, why would you say you're saved when you can't know you're saved? But you can know you're saved. And I want to tell you here today, and I, I pray that God will, will show you this, will show you that, that you can know you're saved. Make no difference what the world tells you. The world, the world will tell you you can't know you're saved. I've, I've heard it so many times. But you can know you're saved, and I pray that the Lord has seen fit, has shown you this. The judgment that sin had, oh, uh, I'm sorry, the judgment that sin had once brought upon us now makes the soul shine like a new day. You know, we're, we're just as clean as a new day, just as beautiful as a new day when we're saved as far as our soul is concerned. And I say praise the Lord. He took away the black cloud. He took away that black cloud we had over us. And I tell you, if you ever remember anything about before you were saved, you know, you know that you, you, had, you had a black cloud over you. 
you had something there that was making you do the things you do. I, I sit and I think sometimes, why did I do the things I did before the Lord saved me? Why, why did I, why did I do those terrible things? I did some terrible things. I had a guy that, uh, Saturday, he, uh, he came up to me and he said, I want to talk to you. And he was crying, black fella. And he was crying. And I asked him, I said, what's, what's wrong with you? He said, well, he said, I was in World War II. And he said, all of a sudden, in, uh, all of a sudden, all this stuff's being brought back to me. He said, he said, we killed people that didn't need to be killed. He said, he said, we did things that we didn't need to do. And uh, I said, well, I said, you know, war, that's the way war is. I said, that's the way war is. And he said, but, but he said, do we have to kill, do we, did we have to kill everybody we saw? And uh, I said, well, I, I'm, I'm sure that you didn't kill anybody that was, wasn't an enemy. He said, and he was crying. He was crying, and he looked like he was probably in his late 80s, early 90s. And, and, uh, and he wanted to talk to me about it, and he didn't know I was a preacher. He, 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 didn't, he didn't know anything about me. He didn't even know me. But I want to tell you, folks, the Lord took away that black cloud we had. And I told him, I told him, I asked him, I said, are you saved? And he said, yeah, I go to church. I said, well, you, you need to learn that the Lord has taken that cloud away from you and taken it off of you. I said, yes. I said, there's a lot of people that had to go to war. I said, there's a lot of them in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament had to go to war. But I said, uh, that's something that you, you don't need, you don't, you really don't need to have bother you in this, in this time in your life. And, um, he shook my hand and he said, well, I'm glad I got to talk to you. And so, but anyway, that's the way it is. The second thing is, he hath cast out thine enemy. Now this, all of us had an enemy before we were saved, and that was Satan. We all had an enemy. We, every one of us had an enemy. You might say, I've heard people say, I've never had an enemy in my life. Well, I have. Satan was one of my worst enemies. And I've had others, too, that I guess belong to Satan. In some way. He cast out our enemy in verse 15. Whether we want to believe it or not, there's a wicked spirit living in the children of disobedience. The children of disobedience has a wicked spirit in them. People who are lost have a wicked spirit in them. And, and that's why they live the way they do. That's why they do the way they do. They had an evil spirit in them. All of us at times, even in our life now, we answer to that evil spirit. That evil. Sometimes, sometimes we let the devil just take over our lives and do as he pleases. We let it happen. 
You know, I know Job, it was brought up on Job by God, but, but there, there's times when we let these things happen to us. And we, we let these things, this, when, we, when we begin to answer to that wicked sound that comes out there. But now we don't have to. For it is impossible for Satan to work in a justified soul. Satan can't work in a justified soul. I want you to understand that. He can't do it. If, if you're plagued with Satan, he cannot work in a justified soul. He cannot do anything to a justified soul. He can't. Read, read the book of, uh, uh, in the Romans, uh, the uh, eighth chapter, where he says, There is nothing, there is nothing on this earth that can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing on this earth that can separate us from the love of God. Satan can't do it. We can and must keep our gates closed against Satan and yield not to his temptations. You know, that's a problem we have today. We yield to his temptations. The third thing he says is he is in the midst of thee. I've said this so many times, and I don't know why people don't heed it. Every time we meet here, God is in the midst of us. He is in the midst of us. Every time we meet here, every time we meet here, he is in the midst of us. The righteous spirit has come to take up dwelling with his children. He, he dwells with his children. He's come up, he dwells with his children. It was Jesus who said, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. John 14, verse 17. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. So you see, we're unique people. I don't I, I hear it all the time. I hear people this, you know, I, I, I just, I hate, I hate this pandemic. It, it, has, it has affected everybody. Even people hadn't had it, it's affected them. And, and that is, we can't, let, we can't leave the gate open and let Satan come in. We've got to realize that, you know, and, and I believe this with all of my heart, that God is using this pandemic to try and test every one of us to see what we're going to be and what we're going to do. I believe that. I believe that. It, it's easy. It's so easy. It's so easy to cry out unto God and, and say, God, why? Why are you doing this? God has a reason for everything he does. He has a plan and he has a purpose for our lives. And, and as a result of that, He's in the midst of us. Every time we meet, he's in the midst. The Bible says he's in the midst of thee. It was John who said, 
We are of God, little children. Listen, John says, We are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. John, John knew of the, of the perils of, of God's children. He, he, knew, he knew how sometimes we suffer. We suffer. We're going to suffer. But he knows sometimes we suffer. And that's the reason he wrote what he wrote. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It appears today, though, in a lot of people that those in the world are the greatest thing ever was. And we can't, we just cannot overcome it. John also said we overcome the world by our faith. How much faith do you have? If you've got a faith of a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. What the Bible says. You know, there, there, there are more mountains in our lives than those things that sit out there high up in, into the sky. There are a lot of mountains that comes our life. And we've got to remember, as the song says, the God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. And the God of the valley is also the God of the mountain. There's, there's a lot of mountains that we need to move in our life. We have a lot of mountains. We've got, we've got things that has been built up in our lives. And it's changed us. I'm going to tell you, folks, this is one of the worst things I've seen over the years. It changes people. It changes people. People that, that I knew was once loving and caring and, 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 and wanted to do the things right are people who don't care anymore. They don't care anymore. They, they don't care what's right and what's wrong. Long, long, long as they get their life over with, long as they get their life done, and as long as they live a lot of years. Let me tell you, folks, you might say, I want to live a lot of years, but I want to tell you, folks, the older I get, the worse I think about why am I living this long. I don't need this. Why am I living this long? And I get to thinking, well, if, if God didn't want me to, I wouldn't be living this long. And that's the same way with all of us. All of us let everything get us down. We let everything get us down. And who do we take it out on? We take it out on our, our, our good spirit that's in us. Take it out on our soul. We take it out on our life. We take it out on everything else. And we bring ourselves down to the point to where we, we need to get off of it and realize that if you've got the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you can move those mountains. You can overcome those things. You can overcome everything. You can overcome them. I got, I got a, someone came the other day and they, they tested positive for COVID. Oh, they, they're convinced that they were going to die. This is it. I've got too many underlying conditions. I'm a fat. I'm a diabetic. I've got all this, got all that. 
And they went to the doctor. One time the doctor gave them a shot and they was fine. They done, they done, they done concluded that they were dying and they were dead. Let me tell you, folks, the one that the one that lives in us, that dwells in us, is far greater than the one that's in the world. God is in the midst of her, her, that is her the church. She shall not be moved. Yes, he is here at this very moment. He's here today. He's with us. He's right here. He's right here, right here in the midst of us today. He knows every thought that you've got. He, he knows exactly how you did it, what you did. He knows what you're thinking about right now. He knows what you're going to do when church is over with. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do all next week. He knows. He knows all about us, just like, just like I told him at the funeral this week. I said, you know, God is keeping a book on every one of us. And a couple of people came to me and said, I never heard that before. I said, God's keeping a book on every one of us. He knows what we're doing, and he knows why we're doing it, and he knows all, all about us. Some may think that you're not missing anything by staying out of church. I'm not, I'm not saying that you come to church because of me, because I know you don't. But what you miss when you don't come to church is the presence of the Lord. The Lord is here waiting on us to come. You miss his presence. If you, if you get to heaven someday, you look up old Doubting Thomas and ask him what he missed when he didn't come to church and ask him what God thought about it. God didn't like it at all. Christ didn't like it at all. He didn't like it at, at all. You, you, might, you might think, well, there's nothing wrong with every now and then. But the very, the very week that Thomas decided to stay out of church, Jesus Christ appeared in the midst of him. And he missed him. And he had to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ because of that. The Bible says he is in the midst of thee in verse 15. What will he do in the midst? Well, verse 17, what, what will God do in the midst of us? Well, verse 17 says he will save those who are in need of salvation. But the best place in the world to be saved is in the Lord's house at the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't find too many people saved in the beer joint. You don't find too many people saved in a, uh, at a ball game. Where are people saved? They're saved in the house of God. They're saved where the gospel is preached. 
That's what he says. He will save those who are in need of salvation. Salvation from the Lord is past, present, and future blessing. When the Lord saves you, you've got past blessings that you think about. You've got future, you got uh, present blessings, and you've got future blessings. What a wonderful thing it is to think about those things. He will rejoice over thee, verse 17. How many of you can say right today, and I, I don't want you to raise any hand, how many of you can say, say right today, I rejoice over the fact that I'm saved? How many can say that today? What is it that makes you so happy? You know, I, I'm learning that it's things out there in the world that makes you a lot happier than being in the Lord's house. I've been doing this going on 55 years. I've been pastoring churches going on 55 years. Started out in Illinois and wound up down here in Georgia. And I've seen people, and I tell you, I'm glad for Facebook. I'm glad that I can preach to other people. As a matter of fact, I think maybe Wednesday night it was, we had 27 people that were tuned in. I'm thankful that I can use it for that, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes I wished I didn't have it. Because I don't see people out there just as happy as they can be and missing church. I don't see that. I see people on the beach just jumping up and down and, and playing and going on and all this. And I see some mighty sad people when they come to the house of God. I'm sorry, folks, but that's how I see it. I see some mighty sad people when they come to the house of God. I haven't been to too many parties because I've never was invited to any. Shelly came in one day and when she was in school, she said, Daddy, I'm going to the prom. I said, what's that? So-and-so's asked me to go to the prom with them. What's that? What is a prom? I never heard of any such thing. And somebody told me, he said, well, they had them when you was in school. I said, evidently they kept it from me because I never heard of them. But it's amazing. It's amazing how people can be so happy celebrating things in the world and be so sad when they come into the house of God. Like the preacher said several years ago, some of his people, he was back at the door Welcome his people to come in like preachers used to do, like I used to do. And these three fellas came in, and they were sad looking. And he said, fellas, did you lose your parents last night? Did they die? That's what the preacher said. That's a true story. He said, did, you, did, you, did your parents die last night? They said, oh, no, our parents didn't die. 
They said, why are you so sad today? Falcons lost the Super Bowl. That's why we're so sad. That's what they told him. That's true. You know it's been a long time ago. It's been a long time since Falcons were in the Super Bowl. He will rejoice over thee. Verse 17. We may not rejoice in our hearts, but it is a precious to know that he will rejoice over us. Verse 17 says that he will rest in his love. And that's something. How come we can't rest in his love when he can rest in his love? That's a wonderful thing. Think about that for just a moment. That blessed my heart. I know my voice is my voice hadn't been right for a long time. He will rest in his love. What a blessing that the Lord will rejoice and he will rest in his love. What a blessing that the Lord finds rest in knowing that he has brought home one of his elect children. Lord says, I love you. That's the reason I chose you. And he rests in that love. Why can't we rest in that love? Why can't we rejoice in that love? that he had for us. I tell you, folks, I often wonder, Brother Sam, why in the world did he ever love me? I'm like John. What matter of love has the Father bestowed upon us that he can call me one of his children? We can sing that song, A Child of the King, and really raise our voices. That is, when we come to church and sing it. What a blessing that the Lord finds rest in knowing that he brought one of his elect children home. He is resting in the love that he has for his only begotten son that he sent him to Golgotha's hill and there he died to set his children free. He rests in that love. You need to read the whole chapter, 53rd chapter of Isaiah, where the Bible says it made him rejoice to send his son for us. He rests in that love. He loved his only begotten son, but he also rests in the love that he died for us. He went there and he died. Our love will carry us to to. To the world, but his, our love, let me say this again, our love will carry us to the world, but his love will draw us closer to him. Why, we love the things of the world. We do. We love it. I heard somebody say sometime back, I love the beach. I love, what is that place everybody goes to down there? I can't remember. I love the beach. The Lord loves you. And he expects you to love him. We first love him because we love him because he first loved us.
Oh, sing, O daughter of Zion, sing. Sing about it. Sing about it. Shout it out from the rooftops. His love for his children. Thanks be unto God for his blessings. And I ask you, do you know him today? Are you happy in what you know about him? I ask you that today. I ask you that today. I pray that the Lord will show you that. Before I let you go, I don't do something. I see a baby back there. I've been waiting to come. I want to bring I want to bring him up here. Let's see if I can get down here. Let me get down here before I try to take him. Come on up here. Bring him up here.